The second reading is from Romans chapter 12, verses 3 to 8, and it's in your booklets. Um, for, the grace, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning, everyone. My name is Andrew. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is wonderful to have you join us and be part of church this morning. Let's pray as we come before God and his word. Father, we do thank you for the joy it is to be able to gather and to hear, hear from you. This is your word, and so we pray now by your spirit you would press it deep into our hearts, comfort us, challenge us, equip us, Send us out to be used by you, and we pray this all for your glory. Amen. Well, let me ask you, what do you think about yourself? What do you think about yourself? How do you feel about you? I don't have to convince you that that's a pretty important question. How you feel, how you think, how you evaluate yourself has massive implications to your day-to-day life. It is so easy, isn't it, to go about life and listen to how everyone else thinks about ourselves. Listen to everyone else's value judgments, maybe even some of the thoughts that are in your head, and listen to thoughts that are wrong or enslaving or just tiring and not helpful. Perhaps you're here this morning and you have a low view of yourself. You have a low view of yourself. You feel like you're always comparing yourself to others, friends, family, and you feel like you always fall short. You feel like you're not as good a friend or mum or dad. You're not as good a cheat. You haven't achieved as much. You're not as beautiful as others or you're not as kind as others. And you always feel like you're looking down at yourself and it's tiring and it's enslaving. Our culture over the last 15 or 20 years has embraced the self-esteem movement. And the self-esteem movement basically says that when we have too low a view of ourselves, it's a big problem. And so instead, we should have more self-love, focus more on our self-worth, focus more on me time, believing in ourselves, empowering ourselves. Now, a lot of those things are really helpful, but what if it goes too far the other way? What if we have too high a view of ourselves? What if we are proud or arrogant or self-centered? If we refuse to admit when we're wrong, we refuse to say sorry, we refuse to accept help. You see, that's a problem too, isn't it? Pride. And it's particularly a problem when we bring that self-centered, proud view into church. That causes all kinds of problems. Now, can I say, I think 
having too low a view of yourself and too high a view of yourself actually both come from pride. Even when you have too low a view of yourself, you're always thinking about yourself. How do I match up to others? How am I seen in the eyes of others? Do people value me? It still comes from a prideful focus on you. Now, what we need is a different way of evaluating ourselves, not according to the opinions of others, not according to the thoughts that sometimes are in our heads, which may be right, may be wrong. We need a different way of thinking about who we are, the core of our identity that frees us from having too low a view of ourselves. We don't want that. Or too high a view of ourselves. And that's what our passage is about this morning. That's what our passage is about this morning. We started last week journeying through the book of Romans, and we heard that we are to offer our lives to God in worship. And one of the ways we saw last week that we do that is by being transformed in the renewing of our minds, having transformed thinking that honours God in everything that we do. Well, today that starts with how we think about ourselves, how you think about you. Two things this morning, two ways we need to think about who we truly are. Here's the first one. We are people humbled by grace. We are people humbled by grace. Have a look down at Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. Paul says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, Do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So the Apostle Paul, he says, don't think of yourself too highly. Instead, think of yourself with sober judgment. What does he mean by that? He means think of yourself realistically. Actually think of yourself properly, rightly. And how do you do that? He says, think of yourself in accordance with the faith God has distributed to you. What's he talking about? What is our faith in? Our faith is in the gospel. Our faith is in the message of Jesus that you and I, on our own, are sinners. We have rebelled against God. We have gone our own way. But God in his kindness and in his love gave up his son for us. I love that line from the hymn, nothing in my hands I bring, simply to thy cross I cling. What's the gospel? The gospel that we believe in, the the thing we have faith in is that you and I on our own have run away from God, we've sinned against God, but because of His great love for us, He gave up His Son for us and we are saved. We are loved, we are washed clean, we are His children. Now let me tell you, That is how we should think about ourselves. Not thinking about ourselves based on what other people say, based on what our thoughts say, but about about what God says. God's opinion of you is the only opinion that matters. Amen? God's opinion of you is the only opinion that matters. And if you trust Jesus, if you have faith in Jesus, He looks at you as a sinner who has been forgiven as someone who ran away but has now been saved and become his child. 
you are loved deeply by your heavenly Father. It's an opinion of you that isn't based on your performance. We did nothing to earn it. In fact, we deserved God's judgment. But purely by his love, purely by his grace, we are saved. And so when you think of yourself based on this view, well, one writer, Tim Keller, he says it does two things. Firstly, it humbles you. When you think of yourself based on how God thinks of you, it's so humbling, isn't it? Because we deserve nothing from God and he's given us everything. We didn't earn it. It's all by him. We are sinners. It's deeply humbling. But it's also something that lifts us up. It exalts us. It doesn't just humble us, it exalts us because if we think about ourselves according to the gospel, we know we are deeply loved, deeply cherished by our Heavenly Father. It protects us from having too low a view of ourselves. It protects us from having too high a view of ourselves. We think about ourselves according to God's opinion. Sinners have been saved, humbled by God's mercy, humbled by God's grace forgiven at the cross. Do you believe that? Is that how you think about yourself? Or are you listening to the opinions of others or even how you view yourself rather than God's verdict, the only verdict that matters? It's so humbling. It's so humbling. We are saved totally by God's undeserved kindness, his grace. Well, this is the same mindset, this humbled mindset that we've got to bring into the church. We've got to bring it into the church when we come to church together. And that's our second point. How do we think about ourselves? Firstly, as people humbled by grace. Secondly, we are to think of ourselves as servants of God's people. Servants of God's people. Look down in your Bibles again, Romans chapter 12, verse 4. Romans 12, verse 4, Paul keeps on going. He says, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. Now, we live in an individualistic age. Our culture just lives and breathes, me, 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 individualism. But when you become a Christian, you become part of something so much bigger, so much better. When you become a Christian, you become part of the church, God's people. Church is not an optional extra when it comes to being a Christian. It's just what happens when you become a believer. You become a member of God's people. You see, if they're in the passage, we're members of one another. And I love the way it's described. The illustration it uses, see, a lot of people think about church as an institution or church as the ministers or the priests or church as the building. The illustration the Bible keeps using is of a body. It's of a body. You think about your body. 
There are heaps of different body parts you have. Plenty you know about, some you don't. And they are each playing a different role and yet they're united. If your whole body were a bunch of eyes, well, that would be creepy and you couldn't smell. If your whole body were a bunch of noses, that would be weird and you couldn't hear. Now, thank God that you've got so many different parts of your body, your anatomy, that are working together, unified, but different purposes, different goals. Sorry, different roles, I should say. Unity and diversity. Each and every single one of us here this morning are like a fingerprint. We are unique. God has gifted us in certain ways. He's given you a role to play, a gifting by his Holy Spirit. He's empowered you, set you aside with a gift. You're thinking, really, me? A gift? I don't feel particularly gifted at all. I don't don't feel like I have really anything to contribute. It says very clearly here, to each of us has been given a gift. Every single one of us. Not for yourself to use. Remember that humble mindset. We, we, we come to serve. Now, I got, I'm the first to admit that some of the gifts I use, I'm tempted and often use them for myself. I want to appear in the spotlight. I want to be appreciated. And yet that's not the picture of the Bible. Using our gifts in humble service, not thinking too highly of ourselves, but using it to bless others, build God's church, and worship and glorify our King. Some people treat church, I think, a bit like a bus. You, you know, waiting for the bus, the bus arrives. I hate buses, but anyway, since I moved to the North Shore, I've got, learned to love them. Uh, you're waiting for the bus, bus comes, get onto the bus, tap that opal card, and you go and take a seat. And from then on, it's really the bus driver's job. You just wait there, And the bus driver does all the work, he does all the driving. Really, I think the church is not like a bus where you sit passively and consume. It's like an orchestra. It's like an orchestra. I used to be a composer, I studied composition, and I love orchestral pieces. I just love them. I love listening to a beautiful symphony and just hearing 50, 60 different musicians who are creating this magical symphony, and yet every single one of them are playing a different part. And I remember I'd go and I'd go to the library at the conservatorium and, and rent out the score. And I love this. Lay it out, it was huge, on a big table, and you'd see, you know, 50 lines or so. And I would see some musical parts and you know, the, the violin would have a spotlight or the clarinet, and I'd see that there and go, oh yeah, you know, that stands out. But there's What I'd see in the score is all kinds of other roles instruments were playing that I didn't even know. And it wasn't until I saw it laid out in the score that I went, gee, the timpani's doing that. Wow, that's, I can see, I can see what's doing that. I didn't notice that. The cello, oh, right, okay. All of them together, different, but for the one purpose. You know, God has given us a symphony to perform. He's given us, the church, a beautiful, majestic symphony 
to enact, to perform. And each and every single one of us have a different role. Some of us might have a spotlight every now and then, but we've all got a gift, a part to play. I mean, just think about church this morning. You know, it's, it's, it's in the uh, second service here for the day. Let's just think through all the different gifts people have used this morning. People arrived at 7 a.m., volunteers, to set up the seats, make sure everything was ready, make sure all the welcoming tables were ready. Uh, people who have been praying and preparing and rostering throughout the week. The band arrived at 8 o'clock to rehearse and run through the music. The sound people, the pro presenter, getting all the slides ready, all the mixing. The kids' church team arrived an hour before church, getting the craft, preparing the teaching, and they're running kids over there at the moment, a whole team of them. We've got Bible readers, prayers, MCs, preachers. We've got a logistics team who are going to be wiping down after the service. We've got a team of about five live streamers here this morning. We've got people who are ready to pray after the service and use those gifts. We had people doing morning tea or hospitality after the 8am service. Now that's about 50, 60 people, I reckon. Just this service. Now we've got eight services on one Sunday. And then we've got all the things we do throughout the week. Everyday English, youth, kids, trying to bless our community, bless our church. So many people using their gifts, so many opportunities to serve in God's orchestra. Now, Paul gives some examples of gifts in this passage. You've got to know these aren't the only gifts. There are so many others. There are other passages, uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4, and even then, there's plenty of gifts that aren't listed in the Bible that I think are still gifts, okay? But here's just some of them, just to get us thinking. Maybe this is your gift. Let's run through some of the ones Paul says. The first one he says is, verse 6, prophecy. If your gift is prophesying, he says, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. Prophecy, I think it's a message from God to a specific individual, a group of people, and a specific time and place to build them up, to encourage them, to spur them on. It's not at the same level as the Bible. Every prophecy, the Bible says, must be tested against the Bible but it's a great gift to use to bless God's people. Perhaps you've had an experience before after church or in connect group and someone says something to you that was the exact thing you needed to hear. Anyone had that experience before? Exact thing you needed to hear to comfort you, rebuke you, equip you. I think that's prophecy. A message from God. And Paul says, if that's your gift, use it in accordance with your faith. In other words, you know, just because you've got the gift of prophecy doesn't make you anyone special. Remember, use it humbly to serve. Use it in accordance with your faith. The second one he says, verse 7, if it is serving, then serve. Now, I think every Christian is called to serve. Every Christian. You can't say, oh, sorry, I don't serve. It's not my gift. Every Christian's called to serve. But I reckon there are some people who are particularly gifted. Some people who just, they can get stuff done. They love to offer practical aid. They're reliable. Not about the spotlight, they're a team player. And they just 
serve in practical ways. I mean, some, this, this is so general. There's so many ways you can serve. I can think of one uh, person in our church just this last week who um, has a lot of skills as a handyman, and he comes regularly and does odd jobs around our church sites for free. It's the gift of service. The gift of service. And Paul says, if that's your gift, use it. Get on with it. Don't rob the rest of the church of your gift. We need you. We need your gift. The third gift he talks about, teaching. Verse 7. If it is teaching, then teach. Perhaps uh, you are gifted as a connect group leader, teaching there, or kids' church leader, or a preacher. Perhaps someone has said to you before, gee, you really explain that well. You have a really good way of just capturing something and helping me understand it. Maybe you're gifted as a teacher. If that's you, use the gift. The next gift, encouragement. Encouragement. Perhaps you are gifted and passionate about encouraging people to live for Jesus or getting alongside someone who's grieving and mourning with them or spurring someone on who's struggling in their faith or building people up with kind words. I know plenty of you are just like that. Maybe that's your gift. The next gift, Paul says, giving. If it is giving, then give generously. Now, again, the Bible's clear. We're all called to give to God's church, all called to give to God's ministry. But I think there are some people who have a particular gift, a giving. Maybe you have the means to give. Or maybe you're just good at giving. You're wise at where to invest for God's kingdom. Do you know, across the history of the church, God has used some incredibly generous people to unlock and open doors for ministry, reaching thousands of people with the gospel who would never have been reached if it weren't for the generosity of one or two individuals, kingdom builders. Perhaps that's you. Paul says, if that's your gift, give generously. Don't give for impressing others. Don't give so you can have influence, you know, so you can have a bit of a say in how the church is run. One of the things I love as a pastor here is we don't know who gives and we don't know how much people give as pastors. And that's great. We, we don't want that to sway our opinion of anyone. It's not about that at all. Give generously because we want to honour God and serve him. The next gift is leadership. Says if it's to lead, if it is to lead, do it diligently. Maybe you're gifted at casting a vision, people following you. God's church needs leaders. Someone's got to lead. If that's your gift, use it diligently. Don't slack off. Work hard at it. Take seriously your responsibility as a welcoming team leader, a kids leader, a connect, whatever it is. It's not about the perks. It's not about the status. Humbly do it diligently for the glory of God and for the good of His church. Last one, if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. It's a year of loving our neighbour. This is a big one. I think there are some people who are particularly gifted at helping the suffering, getting alongside the marginalised, making meals for people in church, whatever it is, the list goes on and on. I can think of someone this week in our church who paid for new carpet for a resident in Greenway. They saw a need, they, they met it. If that's your gift, use it 
Paul says, but do it cheerfully. I love this quote from Christopher Ash. He says, cheerfulness is the litmus test of whether we are really motivated by mercy or whether we're doing this in order for others to know we're doing it and to admire and respect us. If that's your gift, please use it. We need your gift, but do it cheerfully. So that's just some of the gifts. There are so many others. And maybe you're thinking, well, how do I know what my gift is? How do I know? Have I got gifts that I've never discovered? But potentially you do. The best way, firstly, is to reflect. Who are you? What are you passionate about? What needs do you keep spotting that you feel like other people maybe don't spot? What are you driven by? What is it that people have said you're good at? They may be your gifts. Of course, pray about it. Bring it to God. But you know one of the best ways to discover your gifts? It's just by serving. It's by rolling up your sleeves and just serving God's church. Because you know, as you serve, God gifts us often to meet those needs. As you serve, you may discover you're gifted when you didn't realise it. We don't have to wait to only serve in places where we're gifted. Oh, sorry, I can't pack up chairs after church. It's not my gifting. I'm more gifted in teaching. It's not about that. Just serve. Let me give you an example. Do you know this? We have 79 kids in some of our local schools who want to be taught Scripture. We are desperately short of leaders, of of Scripture teachers. If we don't find Scripture teachers in the next week, 79 students will have to go to non-Scripture or ethics if we don't find teachers in the next week. Perhaps that's somewhere you can serve. You might discover you're gifted at it. You might not, and that's okay. You're still serving. One of the things I'm excited about for this new church plant is that when you plant a church or you start a new service, people discover gifts that they never knew they had as they just get going serving the Lord. And once you've discovered your gifts, church, use them. We need you. We're members of one another. Use them to bless, to serve. On your way to church in the car, pray, God, would you give me opportunities to build up your church, to bless others, to serve? And remember that mindset. We don't think too highly of ourselves. We are people humbled by grace, saved only because of God's kindness. Every gift we have is a gift. We didn't earn it. And so bring that mindset as you come to church, humbly ready to serve others and to serve our King. Let's pray together. Father, we are here and we want to offer up our lives to you as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to you. We want to be transformed in the way we think. Help us to think rightly about ourselves, not based on what others say or about what we say, but what you've said to us in the gospel. Thank you for your grace and your love and your mercy. Lord, help us to view ourselves as humble servants in view of your mercy to just want to serve others. We thank you for the gifts you've given us. 
Help us to discover more gifts that you might have given us that we don't know about. Guide us and direct us. Show us where we could serve. And we pray you would use us to build up the body, to grow your church, and to bring you the honour and the praise that you so deserve. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.